Hi, welcome to The Pipeline, all things CD and DevOps podcasts by the CD Foundation. I am your host, Jacqueline Salinas, Director of Ecosystem and Community Development. Thank you so much for joining us. It is episode 15 of season two. And today my guest is Balaji Siva from OpsMX. Our main topic is increased developer productivity by reducing human intervention in software delivery. Balaji is founding VP of product at OpsMX, an intelligent software delivery platform company. Balaji is an active CD community member and contributor. Before OpsMX, Balaji ran product management at Cisco for their cloud native solutions. Balaji has a bachelor's and master's degree in computer engineering and an MBA from Wharton Business School. Thank you so much for joining us today, Balaji. But before we dive into our main topic, we are going to kick off with the segment, My DevOps Journey. And we're curious about what your DevOps journey was like. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you got to be VP of product at OpsMX? Hey, first of all, uh, hi, Jacqueline. Thank you for hosting this podcast. I'm happy to be here, happy to be part of the CD community, CDF community. I've been part of this uh, CD community for the last four and a half years now and uh, excited to see the community has sort of really grown really well, you know, and in terms of projects, in terms of maturity, et cetera. You know, to answer your question, how did I get into this part right now? Um, actually, I started off uh, my career. I did engineering so as a software engineer. Uh, believe, believe it or not, I started uh, fixing COBOL and JCL uh, which is uh, for the mainframe for the Y2K bug. And um, and then I moved into product management for the longest time. Um, I moved into, I worked at uh, Cisco, which is a networking company. So where I was, um, you know, leading products, uh, physical products initially, that's, you know, where servers used to be, you know, you have to plug into a Cisco switch. And then, uh, Virtualization started and uh, applications moved to virtualization instead of physical servers. And I was part of that uh, journey of creating uh, connectivity solutions, networking and policy security around that. And then when the workloads moved to containers, I again followed that into the container world. But I realized at that point that the world was changing so rapidly, particularly with the containers, right? More so than VMs. VM definitely increased the acceleration to some point, but for containers, it, the acceleration was a lot faster. If people are able to actually take advantage of containers plus the multi-cloud, um, I thought there's gonna be more interesting solution has to be created to get the velocity. So I uh, partner with the current uh, startup that I'm in. I actually was in the VC side of the house and these guys uh, came for funding. So I partnered with them early on uh, as part of DevOpsMX. And essentially, you know, we can talk about what we do, but uh, essentially we have an intelligent CD platform. And I thought it was very interesting as a concept and also was very much needed uh, as uh, you know, as we have seen, actually, the world has really evolved. When I joined them in 2016, 2017 timeframe, um, you know, Kubernetes was still 1.0, right? And it's still what I would call a nascent. There's still wars going on between Docker Swarm and Kubernetes. So the world is still like, you know, almost early container world. And so the world has evolved a lot. And my um, belief to join this company is uh, validated. 
and I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. So today's main topic is increased developer productivity by reducing human intervention in software delivery. Can you explain to our audience what the developer productivity problems are that you see in software delivery today? Yeah, I mean, like I briefly mentioned earlier, um, enterprises obviously need to, you know, their need to innovation is really rapid these days, right? So it used to be, you know, you, you know, I used to work at Cisco where you used to release software once every few months, right? And that was okay. But now those days are over, right? You need to deliver software quickly, faster, more for security reasons and other reasons, innovation faster. So the technology for developing the software has really advanced in the adoption of containers and microservices, et cetera. And uh, the infrastructure, which was also a big problem before, where somebody has to you know, rack and stack a server to do a lot of work to even get an infrastructure going, that was also solved with, with the Kubernetes and, and uh, cloud. So really the problem for developer productivity, you know, how do we get to the nirvana of releasing things faster and quicker? Essentially the problem is now the bottleneck is in the software delivery process, right? And that has caused developers to, um, uh, their productivity to go down because of the delivery process. For example, today you develop a software, you do the, you know, the, you do the integration test, et cetera. And, and then the delivery process is really bottlenecked by a lot of ad hoc processes, offline processes. And so, you know, as a developer, you're waiting around for your software to go to production. If there's a problem, you need to wait for that to be found and then you need to work on fixing it quickly. Um, these could take uh, hours or even days. I know that one of the customer I was speaking to that day, he was like, you know what? My compliance is a, is a you know, they open up a ticket, you know, in Jira or ServiceNow and then, you know, the person is on PTO. So like a day goes by and, and the pro- software is still not delivered. So if you think about it, you know, that's a loss of productivity for the developers. Uh, verification is a huge problem too. So for example, if I'm trying to verify an application is done manually, um, that's another huge loss of productivity. So there's a lot of optimization one should need to do to really get to the benefit of um, uh, faster innovation. That's what I see. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some open source projects out there that enterprises can adopt um, such as such CD tools, such as like Spinnaker or Argo CD. So how do these tools help tackle these problems or do they solve them? What happens when an enterprise adopts an open source project such as Spinnaker yeah. or Argo? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, if you think, uh, like I said, the problem was because people are doing scripts, right? and doing manual um, decisioning, manual work um, to get the software to production software. Um, so CD2, like, you know, basically they use Jenkins for, you know, CI, right? And then when it comes to delivery, it becomes uh, some scripting, some manual process, etc. So something like a Spinnaker or Argo City really helps to accelerate the, the problem, uh, accelerate the time really well. For example, the way I look at the software delivery is sort of a two major buckets of areas. One is sort of the orchestration problem, which is the workflow problem, where you create a workflow and then you 
you um, you deliver some software artifact to a to a production server or production cloud, for example. And that is challenging today without something like a Spinnaker, for example, right? I mean, you you have to write these scripts, and every software um, or software uh, service or application needs to its own own scripts. And you know, if you start creating custom stuff, you know, it's going to be a long day, and that's why the problem is is very challenging to maintain those things. So with Spinnaker, you know, you have the built-in ability to do multi-cloud deployments, right? For Argo CD, it's probably just Kubernetes. In the case of Spinnaker, you know, you can do VMs, containers, and functions, but you know, all of them are available out of the box, right? And that really is powerful in the sense that you solve that problem, right? Just to get to the speed part of the problem is able to deploy these things faster. And, you know, you could do safe strategies, you know, Canary or blue-green, et cetera, or rolling update, and you can do maybe potentially rollback. You know, these things solve a lot of the dollar productivity problem I was mentioning about. But there's a whole layer, which is actually even more costlier than sort of the orchestration problem, is a human intervention problem, right? There are multiple area, multiple touch points that human needs to intervene and make a decision, right? They're good, maybe approving it from uh, a you know, QA to staging, staging to production, et cetera. There's a, there's a human involved in saying, hey, I, I approve this particular release to go to production. These tools like Spinnaker, et cetera, provides you an ability to put a manual step in there. Hey, you know, stop the release, let somebody else make a decision for you. But it doesn't really make the decision for you in most cases, right? It, it doesn't actually. Um, so that's why these tools are great, but then, Somebody has to solve the how do I optimize the human uh, element of the of the process, right? And that's why we we think that um, our company Opsimax we try to deliver a solution in this space to really holistically look at this software delivery challenges. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you that. It's like, how does Opsimax help their customers with with that problem that you just outlined, which is, you know, the human element and the decision-making process? Um, is there something specific that you yeah. focus in on? Is there a sol- an enterprise solution that you offer, like port, or how are you addressing that? Yeah, so so number one, um, you know, we, we have... Um, you know, we we believe in open source. We are part of the CD Foundation, right? And um, and we we also believe in Spinnaker in the sense that it is a great, uh, highly scalable, uh, multi-cloud solution, right? <clears throat> that's part of the CD Foundation, and that that's deployed widely in the in the customer base. There are about you know ten thousand plus uh, community member contributing every day to Spinnaker. Um, you know, and deployed at large scale at uh, Netflix, Cisco, you know, Google, et cetera, et cetera, Salesforce. So definitely we believe in that. So what we did was we we adopted the Spinnaker project for our orchestration layer of the problem. I, mean, I talked about two sort of problems. One is the orchestration, other is the intelligence layer, so to say. For the, for the orchestration, we took the Spinnaker and enhanced it. So one of the challenges with uh, any open source project, not, not necessarily maybe Spinnaker, is that the simplicity of use, right, in terms of for the dev and the ops to manage a project and ma- to manage and run an open source project like that. And security, you know, how do you worry about security of an open source project? How do you make it easier to, to enable that? And how do you 
um, you know, make it extensible. So, I mean, obviously open source projects uh, are, allows you to extend, but then you want to maybe customize it for your use case or extend the spinnaker beyond its sort of open source uh, available modules, for example. So we took the spinnaker and enhanced it to do that, like simple, secure, and scalable, and, and, and et cetera. And then what we did was um, we realized this problem as we started working with or more of our customers that, hey, you know, I'm able to get much better, like maybe 10x better with just going from a previous solution to a Spinnaker solution, but then I still have these other challenges. And that's how we adopt, that's why we you know, solve these problems. So we have like, um, the way we approach it is that at the end of the day, humans are part of the software delivery process because they need to look at a data and make a decision on it, right? The machines has to be made to do that. And that's sort of what our high level philosophy, right? So we build a data layer as part of the product, which basically takes all the data from underlying tools that's connecting to the CI/CD pipeline or the uh, continuous delivery platform. Those things are like Jenkins, GitHub, you know, SonarCube, and in, in Aquasec, lots and lots of like SASD, DASD tools, and monitoring tools like you know, you have uh, you know Prometheus, uh, Elasticsearch, etc. We we build a data layer, and top of that, we build solutions that really um, eliminates the humans in some ways, right? Or, or at least you know eliminates it to a large degree. So what are those things we do on top of that? So basically four things, what I call. One is called, uh, what I'm calling it, the informed approvals. So one of the primary challenges as a, you know, from a QA to staging, staging to production, people do is, I need to look at what code went in, what are the source code us saying, what is the build information, what kind of libraries we built into the software, uh, what is the container security scan saying, what is my SASTY DASTY tool is saying, you know, if I look at all these data and then I say, you know what, yeah, it does look like it's good to go, right? That information, that analysis um, is what we try to automate as part of one of the, or what we call our informed decision, right? You know, either you can manually, uh, we, co- we collect and collate and provide you related information so that you can make a quick decision or you let us automate it, right? That we call as an informed decision. Second thing is what I'm calling it application verification. Uh, basically, we call it automated risk assessment, which is basically when you have new version of software uh, that is getting released, people have to sit and analyze if the new version is good to go to the next stage. It could be production, could be from QA to staging. So they have to evaluate the new version compared to the sort of the baseline version or the previous version. So today people look at logs, metrics, and other data to understand the new release and see if it should go past. This could take hours. And particularly if there's a bug found or issue found, you need to triage it, um, figure out what happened. All of these things a lot of time. So what we've, what we've done is essentially using machine learning, uh, we can automatically assess risk um, from all of these data sources and tell you if the release is good or not, right? And that hell really helps you. Uh, as part of a, a decision to approve or not, you know, this, this particular rich ability to automatically analyze these things. So one of our customers using it to their approval to production, and they're saying, you know what, this is better than humans can do, right? 
if you look at humans trying to look at this data over and over again, imagine you're looking at 10,000 lines of logs and, and thousands of metrics every 30 minutes, right? Let's say the release is going every 30 minutes. I mean, humans cannot process that kind of data and not be error-free. Like they're going to make a mistake. Right. And also this is machine learning based. That means that you can train it, super, you know, supervised or unsupervised training methods, mm-hmm. uh, and it actually learns over time. So it actually becomes better and better over time. So it will find out all the issues that your poten- application potentially have and really solves that problem. Yeah. So, Balaji, have, do you know how much time it takes to process now using the a- AI yeah. or the machine learning um, algorithms versus or how much time, it, how much like human hours it has saved some of your customers? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, people uh, uh, used to spend multiple hours. Now they can um, use our um, algorithm. I mean, algorithm really does it in a few seconds, actually, for thousands of lines of logs, for example, right? It's actually pretty fast, right? I mean, obviously, as a, as a human, once they get these assessment, and they may really take 10 minutes to kind of look at it, Right. And, and so, yeah, that looks good. I mean, they can automate it basically based on a score themselves. But typically what people do is um, they still want to look at the issues that are found and see, you know, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, et cetera. But then to find the needle in a haystack, right, that's done in seconds. Right. And so people are able to like really go from like four hours, two hours, et cetera, multiple people to like 10 minutes. And that's really a huge saving. Yeah, I want to... I hope that answers the question. No, it does. Thank you. Yeah. So one was the informed decision. Another was sort of the verification, uh, the automated risk assessment we talked about. A couple of more things I want to say before, I know, I think you can, um, you know, before as part of our solution we address is the ability to do policy verification. So if you look at a, a software delivery, one of the biggest challenges is everybody following the enterprise policy. There may be a policy to not release during certain times of the day, or certain people only can release certain uh, certain software at certain points in time, or it could be a, a regulation policies, right? You know, for example, maybe there's going to be a SOX compliance, HIPAA compliance, FedRAMP compliance. You know, when a new release is getting released and you know automated and getting deployed, somebody has to verify that. Today, the way the people do it is they put a manual gate. And it opens up a service now ticket, and then somebody actually does a verification. So now, obviously, that's a wasted time if you can, or or, or breaking the process. There's another human intervention problem. So what we do is that we built policies that allows people to automatically check these, and that's a huge uh, another huge saving. This could be this is probably the most, um, you know, for for enterprise who are worried about regulations and policy. This is very important. Last part I would say is that we try to solve uh, as a problem area is that, let's say you do release software to production and something happens, like meaning you need to roll back, for example, you need to figure out what happened. Why did it get there, right? For example, you want to be able to audit, you know, what was what what happened. We have a new feature called traceability, right? Which basically what it does is, it tells you what is the snapshot of all the tools, all the data, somebody looked at before promoting that release to the production, right? So this gives you full diagnostic or full uh, insight, essential traceability information. And that way, 
even if something gets to production and we need to roll back, we can we can look at it and make better informed decision next time. Right. So like you know, another thing people use it for, which which we sort of um you know find it very interesting is that if a particular library uh, had a vulnerability and that got promoted to production for whatever reason. So you can look at what um library that was that obviously let's say you you send a this particular library causes a production failure, for example. And you can then trace back and say where all what are other software that are actually um, using the same libraries in production, for example. Then you can roll back to them. Maybe they haven't failed yet. Maybe it hasn't been hacked yet. But then you can you can trace back and say, oh, you know what? This needs to be all be pulled back because of that. So it's just like a one click way to figure out all of them out is huge, huge uh, time saving for many customers. So to summarize, you know, we we took the spinnaker for the orchestration layer and enhanced it right, to, so that you can deploy more simple, secure, and fast, uh, scalable fashion. And second, for solving the human layer, we really took uh, data from different tools and built a data layer. And out of that, we built informed decisions, uh, uh, automated risk assessment, a policy engine, and a traceability and auditability. Uh, ah, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you to quickly summarize, you know, what um, <laughs> the benefits of, of Opsimax um, yeah. intelligent continuous delivery platform, but you, you beat me to it. Um, so you're a very good guest. Thank you for, for doing <laughs> that. But Balaji, if somebody listening out there, you know, is interested in your solution, how can they reach out to Opsimax? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, I want let me qualify that like enterprises who are using Spinnaker or using Jenkins or other CD tools can take advantage of that, or they want a full stack of products, right? You know, like they want, they don't have, they don't have any Spinnaker or any, any CD tool, or they have some CD tool. They want to like migrate to the newer um, intelligent CD. Basically um, they can reach out to us. Um, we, are, we can be reached at, obviously at our website, www.opsimex.com. And also if you want to email us, you can email us at hello at opsimex.com. And we'll be happy to help you, um, you know, provide you a solution or discuss what your needs are. Um, we have a, a SaaS options as well. So if you are on-prem, if you want to deploy on-prem, we can do that. Or if you want to do a SaaS uh, option, we can do that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Balaji, for your time today. It was great having you on and learning more about um, what you're doing with the Spinnaker community as well as your solution. Well, thank you very much.